and welcome to the show. I'm Martin Willis, your host, and another great show for you this evening. I was watching a uh, a screener that was later turned into a movie called Aliens, Abductions, and UFOs, Roswell at 75, and I saw Lori McDonald on it, and I thought she'd make a good guest, so I reached out to her. She's our guest tonight, coming right up. Uh, our blog this week from Charles Lear is called UFOs and Tiny Creatures. In Malaysia, I don't know if anyone watched the. Uh, I know I'm dating myself, but the uh, Twilight Zone when the little miniature flying saucer came in and there were little tiny creatures, but they were kind of, they were extremely scary. Uh, it's a great blog. Check it out. And as always, our blogs are turned into audio blogs every week. So I was, uh, I was shared this incredible. I think it's an incredible. Uh, post on Reddit today, and I'm going to read, uh, and then I had someone fact check it just to make sure that it was right. And so Intelligence Authorization Act for 2023, uh, starting in 2023, UFOs and slash UAPs will be called Unidentified Aerospace slash Undersea Phenomena. So they're, they're taking the same acronym and they're changing it for their liking in, in that way to uh, talk about the undersea, the USOs, which um, I think is a very interesting topic that they're looking into. And uh, so many have reported these things uh, in the Navy, uh, you know, over 200 knots. Uh, we had Mark D'Antonio that witnessed this firsthand when he was on a submarine years ago. Uh, so it's it's really great that they're doing that. But here is some of the things that the U.S. Department of Defense is going to be mandated in 2023. Number one, provide a report starting from January 1st, 1947 to present day, a list of intelligence community involvement in the studying of UAP. Two, provide a report on efforts to track UAP since 1947. Three, this is, I think, the most important thing right here. Provide a list of any intelligence community efforts to obfuscate, manipulate public opinion, hide or otherwise provide unclassified or classified misinformation on UAP-related activities. Four, report on transmedium devices operating in space, atmosphere, and water domain. Five, developing procedures to synchronize and standardize the collection of reporting analysis of incidents, including adverse psychological effects regarding unidentified aerospace and undersea phenomena. Coordinate with FAA, FBI, and NASA, DHS, NOAA, NSF, and DOE for data sharing. This is all such great stuff coming in 2023. So uh, below this link in Reddit, there is a uh, also links directly to the government site where these where these live. So uh, I'm going to put that link in the show notes. And just before uh, we we went live, we were having a little bit of audio issues. We're, we're going to check that with our guest. Um, I we could hear her fine, but she couldn't hear us, and hopefully she has fixed that. Uh, Lori, wave if you can hear me talking right now. Can you hear me? Ah, looks good. Here we go. So you can hear me now. I can, but I had to ditch the Yeti. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. Well, you still sound good. Well, yeah, some, sometimes what happens is that thing will take over both audio and uh, speakers as well because you have that way of uh, tapping through your with earphones. So sometimes it does that. But anyway, welcome to the show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Uh, first of all, I'd like to find out if you could, what is your training and your background in hypnotherapy to begin with? I'm a clinical hypnotherapy and have been since 1994. I originally trained at the Alchemical Hypnotherapy Institute of Sacramento and then became a clinical hypnotherapist in Santa Fe, New Mexico. So it's been um, several decades. I work in a clinic here in Sacramento and do quite a bit of my work is in regression sessions with experiencers or people looking to retrieve memory that has been suppressed due to trauma. Ah, uh-huh. Which is always 
all very fascinating. Um, I have a, a very good friend that, you know, does a similar work and she was, you know, she started out as a social worker for many years and, and she got into the uh, clinical uh, hypnotherapy, uh, studied with uh, Brian Weiss. Weiss, Brian Weiss. Hmm. Uh, but anyway, uh, that, uh, in Florida, I think. Oh, yes. And also Yvonne Smith. Do you and Yvonne ever cross paths? She said nicely. Oh, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I know Yvonne very well. Uh, we did a contract in the desert together. Uh, we were in Switzerland together speaking at an event. And yeah, I know Yvonne and uh, very well. Yeah, she's a very nice lady. Absolutely. So, uh, yes. So, you know, the uh, one of the things I... I I, I'll just be honest and tell you, you know, my, my thoughts or whatever that uh, at, I had a hard time at first believing that there was anything to this. And I know that can make people upset when I say that um, I had, but I was like on the fence. And then I will say that I talked to a few different people that kind of changed my mind a little bit to be more open to it. And for one thing, um, I never say exactly where I think that UFOs are coming from and, you know, the beings that coming with them are, are coming from. I, I, I think we don't have any definitive idea exactly where these things are coming from. Mm -hmm. But um, wherever they are coming from, it would, you know, if you think like a human, I'm thinking like a human, but we wouldn't want to just observe from above and that's it. You know, we'd want to observe closer like we do anywhere we go you know we land on the on the rocks we we get i mean we land on the moon we want to get moon rocks you know it's like we're always wherever we explore uh we want to know about what's there and it, if it comes to life you know when we explore territories for instance at alaska upper you know uh, near the north pole or whatever you know we target a uh, uh sedative to a a polar bear or something like that. And we, we check it out. We look it over. So I understand, of course, you're going to want to observe. Uh, so I think that whatever it is that's coming here, it very possibly could be observing. Um, there are many people. different things coming here. There's been an extraterrestrial presence on the planet for thousands of years. One of the commonalities in all secular and religious history are, are two things. One is that a being came from the stars and two, this being spoke telepathically. So we have this commonality all through every single religion that some unseen entity has brought knowledge to us to help us improve ourselves. Now, that's sort of the basis for it. When we begin to see that we've already been well prepared in, in the acceptance of non-human beings, no matter what religion you might be taught, this is already a given. But the consciousness or the soul of a human can also communicate inside or outside of your own body. We're not limited to our understanding by what the physical body allows. The consciousness can move outside of the body. When we look at research done in out-of-body experiences, near-death experiences, or any time there's trauma and the soul is removed, the soul or the person has a recollection of who they are. They have personality and identity, and they see that they can travel differently without a body. So the human is the good place to start. But most people don't understand the definition of human. Human does not mean people. The actual definition is hue is the word we use to measure the depth or the saturation of light. Man comes from the word manifestation, to come into the physical or to be embodied. A human is a light embodied being. Gender and race are subcategories of that definition. So when we understand what we are, we can then begin to expand the consciousness and look into the multidimensional aspect of the self. And we become enlightened in that process when our conscious mind, the unconscious and subconscious mind become aligned. It's with that alignment that creates enlightenment. 
or an expansion of your understanding of this specific reality in which we live in, a reality where people claim to have been abducted by extraterrestrials or interdimensionals or a MyLab, a military laboratory abduction involving all of the above, we live in a reality that has to be challenged almost daily. And that information isn't going to come from anywhere except from within us. It's the ex exploration of the true self, the spiritual self, that will allow us to see the higher truth of this entire phenomena. The ones that do come, depending on which race we're talking about, some are just watchers. Now, the watchers have been around since the Mesopotamian Sumerian time when the Anunnaki were said to have come, according to Zachariah Sitchin and so forth. But there are other entities who are observing. So some of my research indicates an increased level of psychism in experiencers. We see that some extraterrestrials are not only interested in people based on some ability to harvest genetics, but they're more interested in the person's ability to move the mind outside of the body or to tap into both subtle and gross energies that allow us to perceive outside of the physical senses. That is innate within the human. It's as if there is a hidden reserve of energy that for many reasons we've been redirected from. So the human is a good place to start. One of the things I, I think of, and uh, you know, this is just for an opinion, uh, is I think of all the possibilities of life out there on planets throughout the galaxy, the, the basically the universe. And I'm just, I wonder, um, with all, first of all, let's talk about, there's so many UFO sightings here. Uh, and some of them are, uh, there's a, a percentage of them that can't be explained, which would be in the thousands and thousands and thousands that have happened over the years. Um, what makes us so special if life is everywhere? Why would they come here? Great. You know, and that's just an opinion thing. That's a great question. Uh, it's primarily because what differentiates us from most extraterrestrials is a soul. A human has an eternal life uh, as we are the light, not the vessel. And that consciousness or aspect of the soul moves through an ascension process, a learning process. Um, many of the abductor races have a lifespan between 900 and 1100 years, and then they die they can move their consciousness into, say a tall gray might move it into the hive mind and they'll use it as general uh, information or parts of the consciousness upon death can be moved into like a small gray, a working force. Although that would be a special circumstance for them to transfer that way because it's all hive mind connected. So there's no, um, ascension process like there is for the human. The human has a very unique ability to move into a higher consciousness, into a higher understanding. They're interested in us because we can do that. And not only can we do that, we have this unique ability to exhibit superhuman strength as when a car is crushing a loved one and a woman can just lift the car with one hand while holding the car up, remove the child or husband or whoever is trapped underneath. We not only can exhibit super strength, we can exhibit super clarity of mind where time <laughs> slows down actually and we become hyper aware of every detail moving. We have an enormous ability. So I think that a lot of that is based on hormones, our ability to use cortisol and adrenaline and combining that with the ability to move out of the conscious critical thinking mind or the beta brainwave, the critical mind that says you cannot, but moving into a place where I must. And so you do. So the energy now inside the body becomes active and the limitations have been removed. 
because of the situation. Humans can do that. We can't yet control that. Although there was one specific case of a Canadian whose parachutes didn't open and neither the backup chute or the primary chute. And as he's hurtling to the ground, he just said in his mind, he screamed, stop. And at about 18 inches, he hovered, stopped, gently came to the ground. He was quite uh, the man of interest by lots of lettered associations and departments. And he actually did it again to see if he could replicate it. And he did because yep. he's still alive. Jeez. So, wow, for him. But there are many instances, in, including near-death experiences, out-of-body experience, super psychism, right down to the very subtlest of um, psychic energy when you know when the phone is going to ring or you have a, a precognitive dream or it's prophetic and it comes true. You know, we're very interesting and we are far, far more powerful than we know. Once we understand and balance the emotional energy, once we propagate the deepest of internal healings where we can incorporate higher frequency emotions like compassion and uh, forgiveness and an understanding that allows mercy and pity, then the human is freeing themselves from the energy that creates war. We don't, when an empowered person doesn't have to change somebody else's beliefs, their beliefs don't affect yours. You can allow them. Uh, when we move into this area, then we're going to naturally take a step in the evolution of humanity. And some of the great philosophers say that that time is near. They say that when the population of the planet Earth reaches 10 billion, we will take a natural evolutionary step as we are in the age of confluence and 10 billion creates a quanta of energy, a movement. And with that energy, we are able to see what we might look like. Population is on track for 10 billion between around um, maybe 2040 and 2050 if they don't release another pandemic or something to slow that down, uh, we are on track to hit that. And based on the cosmology of the universe and where our planets are cycling, we'll be receiving specific cosmic energy that may allow the dissolving of the sheath over the pineal gland and opening up us to our innate ability to speak the universal language of telepathy, therefore taking our place, not only in this world, but in the universe. And that's our next step. Here's a, a question in the chat. Um, let me see if I can get up here. Uh, Stella wants to know, she'd like to see the information on that paratrooper who tried to jump twice. Is that something that can be found online? Yeah. Or that information? I would Google go through Google Canada because it's a Canadian story. But, and yeah, because Google doesn't give you all the worldwide information like they claim. You can go specific region and look for it. And that probably was in the 70s. The 70s when this happened? Yeah. 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 I was just yeah, a that's, child. <laughs> yeah, that sounds, uh, that sounds pretty yeah. interesting. Uh, yeah. If that could indeed happen. I mean, that sounds like, it's it's a hard story to believe, you know. I mean, that's what it sounds like. Uh, so when you were, uh, they're all hard stories to believe. Right? Yeah, yeah. When you were talking about, you know, a lot of a lot of times it it's just, you know, I wonder. So is it? You say that humans have this ability, and is it because what makes us different from the animal kingdom? Our intelligence only. What else is it, in your opinion? Consciousness. consciousness and awareness of the self, but you must admit the animals are evolving as well, uh, displaying different behaviors. Animals are showing different behaviors right now. Uh, they're becoming aware. 
Um, they'll take the young of a different species and nurture it. Animals are understanding, you know, things are changing now. Consciousness is expanding and the human is in a very unique position now to allow a, a balanced energy to open to a higher understanding that demonstrates a very specific freedom of self freedom of expression, which we don't have right now. Our world is designed to be motivated externally, but uh, intrinsic motivation allows us to see the multiple layers of the self. Um, okay. And as far as, as far as your work and when you are regressing someone, um, how, I'm, I'm just wondering, how do you start? I mean, do they come to you and say, hey, look, I, I had, I think I've had an experience. I've had some type of abduction thing and I want to find out more about it. Is that how it all, it all begins? Like when you first see someone for the first time? Generally, uh, they have uh, glimpses of a memory or something, an event that happened maybe in their teenage years and it's just reoccurring, something they can't let go of, something that strikes them as peculiar, and they just want to find out. And how do you how do you start a session like that? I mean, I know that they, they always say that it's really hard not to lead someone, you know. I'm not really pleasure. worried about that. Um, we do a very in-depth interview. The information's already agreed upon. We know exactly what we're doing. It's an exploration to retrieve information regarding a specific subject. So mm -hmm. I'm not going to say, you know, was was it a big mantis or, you know, we're not going to lead in that way. But uh -huh. people are very concerned about that and therefore sort of underestimating the regressed being themselves. It's very hard to trick somebody who is truly in a deep alpha brainwave state. And to know that we're there, many times we hook the subject up to an EEG so that we can monitor their brainwaves. Now, some of the viewers may have watched the Unidentified with Demi Lovato miniseries on Peacock. And in the first episode, I did hook her up to an EEG and we did monitor her brave waves. And when she was in the deeper aspects of the alpha brain waves, then she's able to perceive, feel, and experience the information on a different level, really understanding the language of the subconscious mind because it doesn't speak English, French, or Chinese. The language of the subconscious is image and I guess a picture is worth a thousand words, but the image is what happens and they get glimpses. And so we have to expand that. It doesn't serve anybody's purpose to get misinformation. The idea here is to help people understand and move forward. And it's really not to me, and maybe it's important to other researchers, but to myself in regression sessions, it's really not about uh, what UFO, whether it was a triangle or a disc or whether it displayed morphogenic qualities. It's really not about that. It's about the effects it has on the consciousness of the human being and how their reality is challenged, how that affects them in taking their next empowered step so that they can feel fully integrated with a higher understanding of what's happened. And we can do that when we do the sessions in the way that follows the right protocol. And there is a protocol. There's a protocol that you must follow. And there's also a protocol that the experiencers should follow. You know, I get a lot of people saying, hey, I want to be abducted. Uh, and I say, no, 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 you don't. Um, uh -uh. Maybe you, maybe you want contact. Uh, maybe you would like to to explore that. But again, there's a protocol that needs to be followed. 
very specific verbiage that needs to be used. Don't open yourself up to anything that can come through. Because like you said earlier, we don't definitively have the answers to anything. We are working in speculation. We are creating lists of commonalities. I personally do psychological profiling based on the eyewitness accounts of the experiencer so that we can understand the entity better. We're doing our best, but we don't know anything. I mean, we can't say I have had my own experiences, so I feel that I'm in a pretty good position to understand the emotional ramifications that they present. And at the same time, um, since I have had eye-to-eye, face-to-face contact with a non-human being, uh, multiple types of entities, I feel that I'm beginning to understand their agendas or what it is they're trying to do. I have just a very little bit of understanding after 30 some years of research. Wow. Uh-huh. Um, you can get a little more into that if you'd like to. One of the things uh, I know that I've said on this show a few times over the years, like I feel as though that if I was having an abduction experience that I could absolutely not function in life. I, I just can't see having a normal life and having something like that happening. I mean, it, yeah. it certainly would change a, a paradigm in your life, you know, what everything is. But I mean, just the fact of like, okay, now I'm going to go to work or I'm going to do this and that when this is happening. I mean, I don't understand how people can move it's on. It's like a that. death to part of your belief system. And weirdly, the world continues to go on. And yeah, you have to go to work. You have to make those payments. You have to buy groceries, you got to walk the dog. Yeah, you still have to do all those things. And so the experiencers who not only do they have to create some type of compartment to keep that contained, they do have to go and do those things. And on top of it, to make it even worse for many of them, for many years, they would come forward with their stories and they would not be believed. And there is really nothing worse or disempowering to speak your truth and have somebody think, yeah, well, maybe you're on drugs. Maybe you're delusional. Maybe you have a mental illness. Now, granted, all of those things have come across my desk. Um, I've seen all of those things in the clinic, somebody believing that they've had um, experiences and and I tell them, no, um, that's not legitimate. You're hallucinating that and you need to be detoxed from the drugs that you're on. Uh, we've recently allowed with the help of another clinic, uh, we're able to get somebody into a rehab uh, for alcoholism. No, and so yeah, we it's not as easy as people think, but I will tell you this, the vast majority of people who come to me are legitimate experiencers and their reality has been challenged and they're doing their very best to expand their consciousness so that they can see a bigger picture. And I have to say that they're mostly very successful at that as they have learned that it is about their ability and understanding the knowledge of the human, what the human is capable of. We've had, you know, paranormal, mega normal, interdimensional, extra dimensional, multiple types of experiences. People have had ghost sightings and spirit sightings. And a lot of these things can be explained in many ways, but there is a percentage of things that does happen that have always happened. And I'm guessing will continue to happen. But there are certain ETs that come for resources. I think they're interested in specific mineral. I'm not ready to get into that mineral as of yet. Um, and I think water is also an issue outside of the uh, hybridization program of harvesting of genetics. And I don't believe for one minute 
that uh, any person's DNA is going to save the race of some group of extraterrestrials. I think that's a bunch of bull and aliens can lie and they do lie. They can be very deceptive because we're calling them aliens. Uh, that simply means foreign. We can call them extraterrestrials, not of this earth, still foreign, you know, but we don't know, say, if they're coming from what planet. But outside of the abductor races, there are other forms of ETs, and we think that they live in ecoplanets that are considered to be the red dwarf star systems. So when we're outside at night and we're looking at the stars, every star that you can see, there's three or four red dwarf stars circling that star that are outside of our optic ability. They just have a longer, slower wave, and we're unable to pick that up. They could very well be M-class planets, habitable. And we see that many 5,000 planets over the last three to five years have been identified as possibly being able to support life. High probabilities on some of them. And that's just on the exterior. On the interior of the planet, <laughs> there could be another set of environmental issues that are outside of our probing as of yet. So just like on our own planet, we have lots of myth and lore of races that live inside, like the Talos under Mount Shasta, the ant beings that look very much like the greys <laughs> with the Hopi Indians who said they took them and hid them under the ground to protect them from the flooding. So, there's all kinds of life that we're just, you know, busy watching TV and missing out. Um, yeah, you know, the Hopi, you just mentioned that. Uh, mm -hmm. I've, I, I'm in like the fine arts and antiques and things like that. That's what I do for a real, my real life. And uh, I've handled a lot of Hopi, very interesting Kachina dolls over the years. Some of them, you know, well over a hundred years old. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really makes you wonder when you look at some of them. They're so mysterious looking and look like what you'd consider aliens. Uh, yes, very they do. Um, so I finished yeah. school, like I said, in Santa Fe. So I've seen a lot of those kachinas. And uh, some of them are pretty scary. It's yeah. Definitely odd. But they have very interesting stories. Not only yes. the Hopi, but the Anasazi Indians from that region that lived in Chaco Canyon. Wow. You know, do they ever have an interesting story? I mean, because just simply one day, the entire tribe disappeared. You know, food and cooking pots, valued turquoise and turkey feathers as turkey feathers repel water. And so a, a blanket or a garment woven of those would be priceless, right? It would be just uh, priceless. Certainly not something you flee without or, yeah. So look, the lore is, is that they went back uh, to the stores as if there was a mass abduction. And the, one of the roles within the Anasazi is a position like a chief. It's the female role is called she who remembers. And she carries the creation story of the people. And she would tell every night around the fire the story of how the people came from the stars. And so she who remembers would teach the rest of the tribe. And they foresaw a future where they would go back to the sky. And one day... Mm -hmm. They may have. Wow, never heard that story. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's been there's been you know myths over the years of people showing up at night, you know, and um, you know, and, and some of it may be sleep paralysis. I know that can make someone, you know, think they're seeing someone by their bed and stuff like that. But yeah. do you think that these in your just in your research, do you think that these experiences, abductions, whatever you'd like to call them, have been going on for a long, long time. And if so, uh, why is it so? Why has it been so quiet in our in our culture overall? Well, one, I think that our government fears the extraterrestrials as they have no weapon that can defeat them, so they don't want them too light on the radar. We don't know what's really happening on the moon. 
the dark side of the moon. We know that in the Apollo missions clearly stated that there was a craft in a crater and that they were watching them. Um, Ingo uh, Swan, the remote viewer who was said to be recruited by the CIA because his abilities were so good, um, he said that he viewed several locations. He was given um, coordinates to view on the moon. And when he got to the dark side of the moon, he said that uh, he saw entities working as if they were building something and that there were several, uh, I believe five or six different uh, rounded igloo style buildings with low windows. He said that the light had a hazy green and with his remote viewing, he was able to look and see them. He said he was watching them work and they looked very much human. And one by one, up to 10 or 12, turned and felt him remote viewing. He said out loud, he spoke the words, they can see me. Uh, the CIA operative who had recruited him to do this told him, come back to here right now, come back to hear, please, right now, and, and he did. Now, he states that uh, there's definitely something happening there, and there is, and it has been going on for the longest of times. So the ones that come in the night and abduct you like a thief in the night, they're self-serving, and it's not a type of entity you want to engage with. I know that a lot of people think they have very happy, positive relationships with the greys. And I say that they're being beguiled and tricked. The reptilians, I don't think are extraterrestrial. I think that they're subterranean. I think that they may have been around as long as dinosaurs. So over 120 million life span from the beginning of dinosaurs through their whole extinction. 60, 65 million on each side, yeah, about 125 million years. So that I think that some things, you know, are kept away from us because they don't, they can't predict how we'll react. They can't control us. You know, since the days of Rome, they had people come to the Colosseum to watch fights or to throw Christians to the lions. So they knew where everybody was on Sunday. Now they just watch football or some other sport. It's really about controlling the masses and keeping them tied into a education and belief system that serves sort of the elitists. And that might be fundamentally changing as well as we see the patriarch way of doing things is sort of suffering as once again, we are on the brink of a third world war as we see things heating up. So yeah, extraterrestrials and they're monitoring and watching. They're not going to come down on a warring planet right now and try to bring any knowledge that can't be received because our hearts and minds are filled with superior thoughts and hatred towards others. You know, whether the aliens are good or bad, neither one wants to deal with people like us. Now, the other ones who see our potential and understand that we're light embodied beings do and do also think that our power should be capped so that we can't continue to progress as we are basically running through the universe right now with scissors you know we don't really know what we're doing and we're moving a lot of energy that uh, is stirring or poking the hornet's nest so to speak We've had extraterrestrials turn off nuclear facilities. Mm -hmm. We think so, that we can control a lot more than that. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you mentioned just a while ago that, you know, the, uh, the reptilians may be from subterranean or whatever like that. I mean, is this just your speculation? I mean, it's well, that's a pretty wild claim, you know, I mean. No, the well, there's two forms of reptilians. The Draco reptilians are said to be extraterrestrial. The reptilians that interact with humans and have sexual relations with humans probably are from Earth. They certainly say that they've been here longer than us. There's been talk of an underground base outside of Paradise, California, a reptilian base uh, for a very long time, which has 
interesting when we had our biggest wildfire, one of my own clients had was on a date and the, her boyfriend had flew her to San Francisco for dinner in a little Cessna and they saw a blue beam hit that area and burst into the biggest wildfire. Other researchers have said that that is right where uh, the reptilian bases. The reptilians um, could have evolved from a form of dinosaur. Just as they say humans came from salamanders. Okay, sorry, I just had a little bit of a tech tech issue here. I, I, can you hear me now? I can, yes. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. Um, well, it's all it's all interesting. I, I do have to say I'm not really sure how much I can it's of this I can swallow, you know, I mean, it's interesting. Um, and I know you've, you've been doing a lot of work. It's it's kind of difficult for me to wrap my head around some of the things you're saying. Well, to be honest with you. I, I'm sure it is unless you have decades of experience and understanding. I've traveled to many countries, remote islands, deep jungles of Cambodia, Vietnam, spoke, traveled through China. People all over the world are having the same experiences, very similar and same sightings. And today's technology allows us to see this. Our own government released footage of UFOs in the Second World War. They called them Foo Fighters. It's not that hard to wrap your head around if you can understand that there is life from the bottom of the ocean radiating in all directions through space. Everything is energy. Energy is ceaseless. Okay. Um, getting back to the people that you discuss abductions with, you sure. mentioned something about nighttime. Now, I typically think of when abductions happen at nighttime. Are you saying that it's just a percentage of them that do? Yeah. People I mean, having they, these experiences? Broad daylight. <laughs> yeah. And so there are multiple, there's five different sort of categories of this. There are people who receive downloads of information, people who are abducted against their will, people who feel that they have some form of uh, relations with a, an extraterrestrial race and communicate and even are brought on craft to work. They have jobs. There are people who are just more telepathic and sense sort of the ever folding of energy outside of life. They're very unique category of people who are like that. They're very special, highly sensitive, but the experiencers really can be anyone. Um, anyone can have a sighting or have face-to-face -face contact or spot something. You know, it doesn't mean, again, that everything you see is, you know, completely extraterrestrial. You do have to go through procedures and protocols to rule things out, uh, to make sure when the stories like you're having difficulty with yourself are hard for an average person to comprehend, then imagine, <laughs> you know, what it might be like for the experiencer when they, it is their reality and they have no choice uh, but to deal with it. But many governments actually are quite uh, forthcoming with their evidence or sightings of UFOs. It's only in the Western world where we see such a huge suppression. There are many South American countries and indeed Asian countries who can talk about things like this. Um, Germany, uh, just last month, we had a, uh, a German documentary team come in from Berlin and film a live regression for uh, German broadcast TV. And they're because they have an interest in that. People are interested in this because it's an interesting subject, but also because they may be experiencers as well. 
They're opening to the idea that we're not alone. And it's okay. Mm -hmm. um, so how many sessions do clients undergo uh, on the average? It depends. And, you know, I don't do just extraterrestrial work. I do a lot of deep trauma work, inner child work, a lot of addiction work, uh, drug and alcohol work, uh, a lot of stress and anxiety work. Those people come anywhere from six to 15 times. Uh, some people get huge benefits after three sessions. Experiencers, I do um, three hour blocks of time with them so that they have more than enough time to move through it. And depending on the experiencer, they can do one three hour block and be okay and feel empowered enough to move forward. And other people will do several, depending if they're part of a hybridization program, there's a lot more information for them to find out. If it was just and a one-time occurrence, then yeah. Oh, I see. And how do they react to regressions? Does that help them? Oh, absolutely. Um, it absolutely helps them. It, it allows them to feel more in control of themselves. It gives them an opportunity to feel that uh, a process can be facilitated safely so that they're in a place where they can look at everything in a safe environment where many people are ostracized or ridiculed or belittled for expressing anything outside of the norm, especially in abduction. So having a safe place, which is why for many years I ran support groups, uh, providing uh, a open forum support group for people to share their experiences and how they deal with it. And um, I am part of the advisory board for OPUS. OPUS is the organization for paranormal understanding and support. I recently stepped down as president. Um, it's a very old organization. It's been around for a long time. It has a huge board of directors that definitely provide uh, support for anybody who needs it. And um, there's a 24 hour, seven day a week, free online support group at opusnetwork.org. So is that, uh, did when COVID came along and everyone went to Zoom, is that kind of what you had to do as well? They've always done it that way. Um, my support groups that I do personally or through True You Hypnotherapy have always been in person. I, uh, per I prefer to do a support group in person. And I know that during COVID, yeah, many of the group meetings were done via Zoom. It's difficult. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I can't understand, I, I, I can't believe that you, someone could be hypnotized or could they be hypnotized um, through, you know, through talking to them through online? Absolutely, they can. They can. A person can, listen, people are hypnotized all the time they're hypnotized when they're watching TV. You're watching when TV. When they're driving. Yeah. And when they're driving, well, that's the unconscious taking over, and that's not the same as being hypnotized. That's just going on auto or unconscious. But when you're watching a movie and you're emoting and you're crying or you're fear-based, you are not operating in the beta brainwave, the critical thinking mind that would tell you this isn't real. That's not their real name. This is a set. If you are not thinking critically, then you are in the alpha brainwave in reception mode and you're receiving it and you're experiencing it and you are in a light trance. Combine pulsing light and sound as they rev up the music for intensity and drama to create thrills. All of these have an emotional impact. And yes, once again, you are in a light trance. It's very easy to slip into Deep relaxation opens the alpha brainwave to become more receptive, more dominant. The conscious critical thinking beta brainwave becomes reduced. So people are hypnotized all the time. It's not magic. It's not anything that is hard. So yeah, it can be done over the TV, over the computer all the time. Yeah, I think there's a, there's a lot of misconceptions about um, hypnotizing uh, that I've learned just by looking into it. You know, I mean, yeah. the Manchurian candidate type of thing isn't going to happen. There, There isn't someone that's going to be out on a street when an accident happens 30 years ago and 
be hypnotized and they're going to remember the license plate. You know, that's just not, that's, well, you're looking at me. Is that something that could happen? That is something that can happen. Um, I retrieve old information like that all the time. Where did my, <laughs> really? Yeah. Even past life regression work, people can find historical documents and verify some of their past life information after a session. And sometimes they bring it to me and it's very interesting. Not my main area of interest, but very interesting nonetheless. No, yeah, absolutely. And as far as uh, post-hypnotic suggestions, I use them with my clients in every single session. I give them their post-hypnotic words so that they can use them themselves as these are words that are going to resonate with particular behavioral modification or the ability to induce overall state of calm and relaxed energy so they can begin to master the mind-body. It's about mastering the mind and body, self-actualization. And through hypnosis, we gain a better insight into the whole. We're not just the 10% of the critical thinking. We're not just the body. We're not just the mind. We're not just the spirit. We're all those things wrapped up into one pretty cool package. How about that? Uh, well, thank you so much. It's been really interesting. Uh, it's been different than I, you know, a different type of show for me, but I, I find uh, your opinions are very interesting and I really appreciate you coming on this show. It's been my pleasure. Thank you for having me. All right. Thanks. And take care. You too. Yeah. All right, everyone. So we will be back next week. We have uh, Ben Hurl from Australia. Um, he's going to be uh, talking about all the work he's doing. He's also on KGRA radio and we will be back um, at the same time, seven o'clock next Tuesday. Thank you all so much for watching and remember to keep your eyes to the sky. Thank you.